Blog Talk Radio. All right, this is Thad. Welcome back to the latest Shades of Blue soccer show. Uh, Mike and Steve should be joining me if they're not already on. Uh, Mike? I'm on. And what are you guys doing? Looks like, uh, okay, cool. That was just uh, my my host thing here was showing you guys were like not connected all the way yet, but it's obviously just a few seconds behind. So, cool. All right, um, welcome, guys. Uh, it's been... Since the last time we talked, there's been a wee bit of news. Uh, Just a little bit. Yeah, and and a few fans unhappy, I would say. That might be an understatement. uh, (laughs) That's a fair assessment, yeah, for several reasons. All right, well, just kicking it off, as probably most people who might listen to this knows, Christian Namath has been transferred to a team in guitar. I'm not going to try to pronounce the actual team name at the moment. Um, it sounds like the sporting got about $3 million or the league, the transfer was for 3 million. So sporting may have got 2 million of that roughly. Um, I'm never really sure how, when they say the 3 million, but it's a, how that means. But anyway, Mike, what, what did, did this catch you by surprise a little bit? It happening now caught me by surprise. I was, I, I had always thought that Namath would start the season with Kansas City, and basically he would, uh, he he would never return from uh, from the Euros. I figured he would be, uh, he he would get he, his performance in the Euros would see him uh, transfer back to Europe, basically for it, for the start of the. Uh, 2016-2017 season. So in that regard, it happening at this point was a bit of a surprise. So, uh, Steve, um, after um, after this has all been said and done, Namath posted today um, his uh, opinion of what happened, and Vermees also said today his opinion of what happened. Can you kind of break down what those, how those conflict, maybe? Well, it's funny because it's what had my story. Now, it's Christian, first thing he says is not about the money, and then it goes into talk about the money. Um, look, I, I I think that that's still the main issue. I mean, that, that's the – that was where the, the sides were far apart. Now, you're hearing, of course, what you hear and what is actually said uh, in negotiations. You're hearing that, that he was asking for 500000 uh, for per year in his renegotiated contract, uh, Sporting were not going to go uh, for for their reasons that high. Um, I, I think all is said and done. Of course, Peter said that in the conference call today he wasn't exactly sure whether Christian had a gigantic amount to do with that Facebook post or his his agents kind of putting that out for him. Um, all said and done, I mean, Sporting walks away. They lose a, lose a score, but they walk away with a pile of cash that they can that they can spend. Uh, from a business sense, it makes tremendous sense to to, to take the offer while they can. Um, 
to take a, a free transfer and turn him into seven figures. Uh, it's a pretty good acumen. Now, are the fans upset? Yeah. Um, but I think the club has, has kind of earned uh, kind of earned the benefit of the doubt. They've made good business decisions over the years in terms of getting people in and then getting value for them. You remember Kai Kamara came in for Abe Thompson, um, which was a, a low-value trade away, and they got money for Kai. Uri came in, I think, on a free acquisition, and they sold him. So they've been able to get low and sell high, uh, and this they're just selling higher than usual or higher than before this time. Um, I, I think, of course, the fans are going to want to see uh, that money spent on acquiring some more firepower have to see how it shakes out, but I, I still think that the sporting's in a, in a pretty decent spot uh, going forward. And, and I would say fans are going to want to see that money spent on some firepower in the near term, not the long term. I would say probably they're going to depends on how the, how the preseason shakes out. Uh, you know, maybe Daniel Shelley comes in and, and shows a lot, and maybe uh, Map comes up, you know, moves up front and, and shows a lot. Uh, they played Brad Davis in the wing, and he, of course he had a, he got a, a goal and an assist the other day from the, from that wing spot. So I think maybe the preseason will kind of show if they need to make to try to make a, a move right away. Otherwise, then maybe they're better waiting until the summer transfer window see if there's some attrition in terms of injuries, in terms of anything else that uh, that they need to fill that hole in the summer going into CCL and uh, and the Open Cup drive and, and the MLS season drive. So, uh, and I'm not sure where that 500,000 number came from that you mentioned there, Steve. But if that number was accurate, um, is that is that amount you would have paid for him, Mike? I, for me, I, I'm not I, I'm not entirely sure. It goes back to what I said about expecting him to to be gone in the uh, in the summer. If he's gone, if if in my mindset, if I'm planning on him being gone in the summer. And I'm only expecting him here for two months of the regular season, basically, before he more or less goes off to camp with uh, with Hungary and then has the Euros and then is gone. I think in that regard, five hundred thousand may be a bit much for just that small stretch of time, even though it would obviously come off the books when he left and everything. So in that regard, in my mindset. Well, five hundred thousand. If you have them for the full season outside the Euros, I, I think that's a fair amount. But in my mind, if I, if he's leaving in the summer, I'm not sure that's that's an amount that is uh, that's almost that might almost be too much in my mind for two months of play, basically. Yeah, I can understand that. Now, obviously, when agents get involved, it's always going to be about the money. Um, having talked to Namath uh, a few times and how happy he was to be back in the national team picture again and playing for him pretty regularly and stuff like that. How much do you think that um, being able to, you know, like the uh, Qatar's league finishes early in April, I believe, and he can basically go train with the whoever's available for the national team at that time and he can, he can be there early. You, you think that may have applied any? I think so. I mean, that was before before the conference call today. That was, I thought, one of the one of the big main main parts of uh, of Namath's letter 
was if you if you kind of read between the lines he he was he, he it was being unhappy about not being able to uh to join the the national team likely when he wanted to um the when when Hungary started camp and when FIFA acquires the release I'm not sure the exact dates but there is certainly a difference in, in there's a period of time basically where Hungarian players will be in camp but the players who are still in league play won't be released yet. So sporting in that situation is would have been totally justified to hold on to Namath as long as they can but by FIFA by uh FIFA's rules and I I had thought that was an area that uh that Namath might not have been too happy about in that regard. How about you Steve? Did you get any sense of that from what from what uh, you know, knowing Nemo and from what he's wrote. Well, I, you know, I, I know that, that, that playing for his national team is important to him. Uh, for me, it was, it was a location thing as well. I mean, he's going to be on the other side of the Atlantic. There's less of a time zone adjustment. Um, going back to the Euros, I, I, I still think even if Sporting had thought that they would, get, would hold him through the year, um, five hundred thousand might have been a reach. Because here's why: this is a guy who's been has had a career that's been pretty well plagued by injury. Um, I mean, he, they got a lot out of him last year, but in terms of stringing together several good years without getting knocked around, you know, getting taken some serious knocks, he hasn't had that yet. Plus then if you, if you, if you think you're going to keep him through the year, uh, and obviously, obviously if he has a good Euro, I think he is gone, but say, say that you're, you're thinking, okay, blue sky, we hold him through the year. You're paying for two months that you're not going to be able to have the guy because he'll be over. He'd be with Hungary for friendlies. He'd be with them through the Euros. Uh, then you've got the adjustment period when he when he gets back after all that time over there. You know, another week, uh, ten days maybe, where he's still readjusting to this time zone. So you got a lot of time when he is away from the picture, and you're paying for a guy you, you can't use. Um, I, I really had he gotten through this year um, with a with a with a good year, you know, taken the increase they offered him, gotten through this year with a, with another solid year, another double double goal year, uh, another solid showing in the Open Cup, and stayed injury free, then I think going into 2017, you know, if you don't get if you don't get solid offers for him, then maybe you look at that, that half million figure, maybe look at making him a DP. But he's he still has not shown he can stay healthy in the long run yet, and I think that may have been a sticking point as well. I'm obviously not a fly in the wall, but I think that might have been a sticking point as well. Yeah, well, you know that has to play on anybody's mind that's you know signing him or or should. I mean, he's he's not had that healthy season or two seasons in a row. Um, he's I mean this is this was really his breakout year last year. Um, and you know, if it was me, I would have been looking at saying, "Hey, I'll pay you three hundred thousand and two hundred thousand in incentives if you if you score me fifteen goals, something along you know whatever the whatever they could work out and along that line, that would, that would have seemed to have been a, a logical way to have maybe accomplished that. But that's why I didn't know if it came down to money. If you know, Vermees is pretty smart about that and. It seemed like there was a just a, the agent may have got in there and said, "Hey, we got a really big offer, and you need to take it, and it's going to help you be at the Euros and everything else." To 
to me, the the one downside to that about going to play guitar is that that league is just not all that good. He's not going to be challenged. He's not going to be challenged, but he's going to be making a ton of money. I mean, leagues in the Gulf states, particularly Cutter, in particular, they tend to pay more maybe than what a lot of the market will bear because they're trying to get guys in there to raise the profile. Um, you know, what, what, what's Nimitz market value in, in Europe right now? Hard to tell, but, uh, these clubs are just awash in so much money, even with oil prices being down, they can afford to, to pay more and, and get internationals in for kind of that prestige signing that, uh, that, you know, Hey, look at us. We're, we're a player, um, in, in world football in terms of the guys we can bring in. Um, now, what happens if he has a good you know, Euro tournament? And do they turn around and, and sell him again? Uh, if they do, and they, and they make money in the deal, then that's even better for sporting because they've got a sell-through clause, and then that's more money they walk away with um, out of the deal. So, uh, Mike, um, I don't know if you, have you followed any league and uh, player or teams in Qatar or how good they are. Not really. I mean. Anything I would have watched would have been uh, YouTube clips, with, which would have would have just been highlights, basically. The, the only thing I did find when I was doing some uh, looking after uh, after the news came out of Namath leaving was that uh, the team he's going to is it is in desperate need of of goal scoring, basically. They're currently uh, eighth in a, the fourteen team. Uh, Qatar, I guess it's the Stars League, um, but they've scored just 13 goals this year, which is uh, the second fewest in the entire league. The only team with less is the team at the bottom of the table that has only four points all season. So, I mean, they're in desperate need of, need of some goal scoring in, in that regard. So, getting uh, getting Manus, uh, if he can if he can continue to stay healthy. I think Namath can do can can at least contribute to help them uh, attempt to move a little bit further up the table for them. But I mean, the the club in Qatar did exactly what clubs need to do. They addressed a a need for themselves by uh, by going out and getting themselves a striker and potentially overpaying for him. But that's they can do that. Yeah, that's kind of what they do. Look at look at all the new money countries. China's a big one in the last few weeks that's really exploited their the money that they have in the game at the moment. Yeah, no doubt. Um all right, so our our, our second controversial move is homegrown player Eric Palmer Brown going on loan to Porto. Uh first impressions on that move, Mike? I mean, I think it was surprising that I think he went on loan, but not surprising at the same time, if that makes sense. Um, there's been no, uh, there's been, there's been nothing to hide the fact that uh, EPB does have interest in in going abroad at at some point and playing in Europe. Basically, that. That's kind of been stated by Vermes and other people within the front office. Basically, since uh, since we signed signed him, um, 
we we've heard the Juventus rumors basically again since he signed with the club that uh, Juventus was in negotiations to uh, to bring him over when he turned 18. Um, but I mean, I thought he would spend another year in Kansas City. I thought he would, um, as we I think we discussed last week. I thought he'd spend the majority of the season, if not all of it, on loan to the uh, to the Rangers. Then maybe next year, uh, hopefully, have him in as a as a the starter on the first team. Maybe have a Mike Miazga or Matt Miazga type season, and then then make the jump jump abroad. So it's a little earlier than I expected, but not wholly unexpected. Steve, do you, do you uh, see EPB's loan? more for, you know, shopping him around a little bit or for really getting him some experience overseas. I think for me, he's talked about, you know, needing to get him uh, some experience away from Kansas City. Yeah, I think so. And, you know, now that he's out of high school, he, he doesn't have that holding him here. And he's going into Porto uh, with a shot at making the senior squad fighting for a position in Europe is going to give him a whole lot better education soccer wise than than starting it at uh, Swole Rangers love USL love what they're doing with it with the structure uh, of USL and and, and integrating that into the system but fact of the matter is he's going to be going someplace where he's going to have to sink or swim um, to to get minutes with with a, a pretty darn good club so this is where his his he, he's grown up a lot physically. I mean, you've seen how he's filled out from where he started uh, when he first signed to, to to now what he looks like. He is filled out physically. He's always seemed like a pretty self possessed, pretty mentally tough kid. I say young man now because you know he's he's over eighteen. Um, but going to you Europe say and kid. being thrown in. Say again. Uh, I said you can still call him a kid. You're fairly old, so yeah, I'm fairly old. Uh, throwing, throwing, me, throwing him into the into that that crucible in Europe though is really going to I think to refine him. Um, talk about trial by fire. I think this is where you really find out how mentally tough he is because he's going to be away from home, uh, and he's you know he's been overseas with with the uh, with the U.S. youth national programs, but this is going to be living there. And and actually settling in someplace uh, on the other side of the world, and it's, that's going to be a pretty big adjustment. And I think it's going to be he'll find out pretty quickly uh, what it's going to take to compete in Europe, because if, you know that's a, that's a, where he is aiming at for his career. It's where you know the the U.S. Uh, national team system would like to see more players go over at a younger age and and and, and really compete. He'll find out pretty quickly if he's got what it takes, I think. Does it seem odd, though, that uh, a guy who wasn't beating out Kevin Ellis for starting time at Sporting could be competing for starting time at Porto? I'll throw that out to either one of you that wants to answer that one. For me, I I think uh, while he's going to Porto, I think uh, ETB is going to find – the majority of his time, at least this season, if not the first part of uh, next season, which the loan runs through, I think he's going to find the majority of his time 
uh, with Porto B, which plays in the uh, in the to be second division and is actually fairly good. I think they're on top of the table there. The only thing I think keeping them from being in the top division in Portugal is the fact that they can't be in the same division as as the main Porto team. So I think I think ETB is going to get his minutes uh, with, with the B team in the second division at this point and see see how it goes from there. Yeah, you know, I think it's probably a fair assessment. But it, if he's he's going to see what it also what it takes to be. Uh, you know, in, in terms of, of the kind of preparation and, and work and, and skill it's going to take to be at a top, Europe, you know, at a top club in Portugal and in, in one of the, you know, pretty strong European club. Uh, so I, I think you're probably, probably if he sees minutes for the, for the, the senior side, it'll be early on in, in domestic cup. Um, that sort of, that sort of play if he gets the senior minutes, but even those are going to be valuable because again it's it's playing time in a, in a different environment um in a, in a pretty tough environment uh where he's you know he doesn't have that safety net around him uh, of, of his you know his friends and and his hometown that sort of thing I, I think it's a i actually think it's a really good move for him uh does it mean that that sporting could lose him sometime if he if he thrives there it does but i think it's a risky take and if again, if he thrives and 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 wants to to go to Europe and stay there, then again, you sell him, you make money, and you you reinvest in the club, and it winds up looking good for uh, for MLS and, and for this region and for Sporting's academy and homegrown system as well. And being the second homegrown player to make a move to Europe in a matter of a couple of days, essentially with Miazga going, although. Matt going maybe a little higher profile move there. Um, it, it does at least bode a little well for for MLS and the academy system at the moment. It at least at least has a little positive light on it. Yeah, I, I would also, say I, so. I mean, it's go ahead. Yeah, I was just yeah. um, I was just saying, yeah, just going with uh, Burmese with the last few days too. He's definitely given the definition of a uh, buy low and sell high, hasn't he? Well, yeah, and Mike has, has been the guy who really tracks the, the moves uh, over the years more than I have in terms of guys coming in, guys going out. But uh, you know, Mike seems like that's kind of been his his mo since he really got involved in, in 2006, hasn't it? I mean, is that the way that seems like to me? I mean, did we? I, I think so to a point. I mean, Ramiz has taken some risks with some players, but, um, you know, the ones that have paid off have been good payoffs. I mean, you mentioned Kai earlier and, you know, selling him, um, selling Yuri. Those have been, you know, good paydays for sporting and have funded really at least a couple of DPs for us so far. But it's... should fans question these moves as much as they have, maybe? I I think so, but I, I think you have to look at you, – you, you rattled off a few names there like Yuri and Kamara, and, I mean, you could even throw in Colin and, and even Espinoza. And while, while, while Kansas City has done decent business with, with most of those moves, you have to look at what 
uh, Kansas City has done immediately uh, after that to to rebolster their own roster, basically. And it, the, anybody they've brought in hasn't been hasn't immediately filled the gap that the player that left was. I mean, it took until we got Namus to to find a guy to to really be able to play the wing the way uh the the way Kamara did for us. Um with with Colin, we're still really looking for that center back that can that that can really step up and play next to Beesler. It took until uh we it took until this season to uh to replace Yuri at the at the defensive midfield position. So we we've done good business with, with uh the buy low sell high mindset, but in that turnaround we haven't done much to get our to to keep ourselves at this at the same level we were before we did that business. The the incoming hasn't matched the outgoing really. I think the turnaround in D-Mid was a little bit shorter than that because it, Yuri went at mid-season 14 and Sony, uh, granted it took him a while to really kind of play into the position, but he you know he got here before the start of the 15 season and plays plays the position differently. But I think he's been he's been good. Maybe he's he's not the the distributor that Uri was obviously, but I, I think he's a pretty strong D-Mid with a with a half season gap. Opara can stay healthy. Then I think you've got that that replacement at center back, and then of course you've got Nuno coming in as well, uh, coming off the injury, issue with obviously. Ike is the, the issue with Ike is he's had one healthy season in six, so I, I mean we we can keep saying that oh if as long as Ike stays healthy, well he, he's had five seasons where he hasn't shown he can stay healthy, so I mean. At, I, I love the guy. He's a great when he's on the field. He's just not on the field enough. Yeah, yeah I, won't, I won't argue that, Mike. Um, it, just, it, sorry, Steve, but it, I wouldn't argue about Ike not being on the field enough. The the one caveat I would say to that about is we're we're saying that now with another year of injury under the belt from last year. You were going into last year. It was kind of the expectation that he was recovered from the previous years and he was as healthy as he had been and all this other stuff. He still has had several, obviously, you know, years where he was seasons where he didn't play very much because of injuries, but he'd had one good year. He, uh, he'd had an injured year and we kind of looked like, yeah, it, he would, if he, that was a little bit of a gamble, but he was the guy who could replace Colin. Now with that year of hindsight that we have, obviously we don't think that he can replace Colin because he's too big of a risk. Before he was a risk, now he's too big of a risk. If he stays healthy, it's a great play, and we have three center backs, hopefully, with, if Nuno is, is remotely as good as what they, they think he could be. Uh, you know, we have three very good center backs. Um, otherwise, we have two, and we still have Ellis and Olam and whoever else, you know, guys being called up from the Rangers to, to fill that spot. Um, I, I mean, I wish Ike all the best, but... That's what you're. I, I agree with your argument, but I'm just saying you, you're looking at it now from one more year of hindsight availability. Where la- a year ago, he lo- he did look like he could be the guy who could fill him in. Yeah, it's just been a, it's been a. He's had a hard luck uh, run in, in the last couple of years. I mean, he gets kicked in the in the ankle, oh, and, and he gets called for a penalty on the same play. Uh, you know, nobody can see that happen. That's that's not a fragility injury. That's a that's just bad play on the opponent's part. Uh, and to come back from a broken tail, this is pretty impressive. Last year, I mean, you land wrong, 
the employer Achilles, that's the one that's, that's more concerning to me than the tailist the previous year. The, the, the tailist the previous year was inflicted on him. The blown Achilles is the one that, that still has to be the concern. Um, and I think they're, they're addressing that with, with bringing in Nuno. Uh, again, though, is he going to be able to come back from a year off? Uh, but by and large, you know, you look, it's hard to argue with three trophies in four years for a small market team. Uh, would they have liked to do better last year? Could, you know, but for a double bonk off the post, who knows how, they, how far they could have gone. But three trophies in four years is not shabby for a club in sporting situation at all. Okay, I kind of took Steve to yeah, kind of throwing that out to you, but um, yeah, I mean, I would I would agree, Steve. It's not not bad at all for three trophies in four years, and um, you know, an Open Cup, an MLS Cup, a, a really really down year with injuries and World Cup exhaustion, and then last year an Open Cup and a couple of <laughs> unlucky bounce off a of post, and you never know, um, you know, and. A week ago, we were talking about how deep sporting was, and you know they're going to have to get rid of some talent or you know some some of the lower level talent to to get roster compliant. You know now a week later, we've we've lost a, our most talented scorer, or at least from last year, the most technical at least, um, and you know a, a young prospect for the year. We haven't lost him, but at least for the year. Um, so now we're we're pretty close to being roster compliant and are we as deep is sporting as deep as what we thought they were a week ago not forward obviously i mean that's that's a given they are not as as they don't have that guy who's who's going to break ankles now i mean maps got some got some deceptive uh moves but he doesn't He's not a guy who can spin you around uh, and make that kind of run that, like Namath did through through Portland. Uh, Davis the same way. I mean, he's he's in his thirties. He's not uh, he's not going to be the guy who who gets people all tangled up in themselves. Again, Wiley veteran, but they don't have the that guy now who can take the ball and just make people look stupid. Um, and they, I think if it's, it's if it's uh, shows up early on that that's going to be a serious handicap. They've got until May to to address that. Remember the transfer window in uh, doesn't end until May, and then it opens up again in the summer. So they've got some time even after the start of the season to try to try to address that. Find again that guy, a good player in a bad situation. Uh, I don't think I don't think people need to panic, but I think that 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 creative forward spot that that uh, just ankle breaking forward spot uh, you would hope as a fan that that would get filled sooner rather than later. Thoughts, Mike? I mean, I mean, I think you you have to look to. Uh, to address the the forward spot now. I mean, if you if you wait until uh, if you wait until late in our transfer window, if you if you keep delaying what pretty much seems inevitable about needing to get needing to find a a 
replacement for for someone, I, I think you're you're putting yourself in a very tight place there. And based off uh, based off the what came out of the conference call, at least what I saw on on Twitter, I don't think I, I don't really don't think sporting has that sort of urgency right now in that regard. And I mean, we're we're one we're one Dwyer injury away from starting Jacob Peterson, Graham Zuzi, or uh, or nineteen year old Saloy at at forward for an extended period of time, and that just doesn't fill you with a whole lot of confidence in, in that regard. I mean, if one of those three is is the next guy behind Namath, then then I think you, you feel a little bit better about it, but. Going into the season with with those three predominantly being your backup center forward it is really disconcerting and a little scary when it comes to uh, when it comes to sporting. If there is one good thing about this, is Dwyer has been just I don't want to say freakishly durable, but really really durable at that center forward spot. He hasn't been a guy who's taken. You know, a, a lot of nagging knocks that keep him out for any, any uh, length of time. Uh, just again, tremendous physical condition has a lot to do with that. I think is uh, the way he plays has a lot to do with that as well. But again, yeah, if, if somebody chops him down and busts him up, then yeah, that, that center forward spot is suddenly a concern. They have money right now. Now, what they do with it, how. how what they're doing right now behind the scenes. Um, and I imagine if they've known that this was in the, in the last couple of weeks, that this was in the works, they've probably been burning up the phone lines, uh, trying to get somebody lined up. I, I don't, I, I don't think they've been sitting on their hands waiting for Nimit to decide uh, what he wants to do. I think as soon as, as soon as the agent started to say, Hey, look, your offer is not what we have in mind. I think the second they heard that, even while they were still trying to hammer things out, I think they were probably making some some inquiries as quickly as they could. This is not a front office that gets a lot of sleep. Yeah, I would think that they were looking. And to be honest, if you talk to Peter uh, kind of on a, uh, to the side a little bit sometimes, he will give you an idea of how many different players they're actually talking to out there and keeping an eye on and, you know, which ones are in what situation that they might be, if they needed to swoop in and try to get somebody, they have a deep, deep list of players that they're always watching. Um, they can't always get them right away and, or they can't always spend the money on them right away or they're unwilling to spend the money on them right away. That's the, I'd say that's the one downside of the the trader Pete persona is he's not going to overpay for somebody even if they even if we perceive that they really have a desperate need at that position he is not going to overpay um and bring somebody in that you know throws off the balance of what he thinks people are worth for that for this league well yeah and that's what the way he's he he looks at building this club anyway he's not i mean we were talking about this earlier i was talking about this earlier with uh, with andrew weeby he's not the kind of a guy who's going to uh, splash a lot on one guy um, and starve everybody else to make that happen. I think he, what, he, what it seems like he's tried to do is spread it out pretty well among all the core players, A, to keep people happy, and B, to keep them skewing the, uh, the salary table for future negotiations. Because all of a sudden, if you overpay a guy, 
then your core guy comes back later and says, hey, look, look how much you paid for this guy that you brought in. I want the same kind of a deal. And then you got to start matching, and you got then you run into cap problems. So I, I think they have to, in terms of what they're wanting to do, with the way they get this system set up and they've been building the roster, they've got to hold the line on costs as much as possible. They can't go overpaying uh, for a guy that they, they're not going to be sure they can get the value out of on the pitch. They're going to pack the stance no matter what. Uh, as long as the club has a reasonable level of success, I think they're going to pack the stance. So it's not like you got to bring in a guy – uh, who's, a, who's a marquee name to get butts in the seats. What they want is a pretty high overall level of play where they've got a whole bunch of guys on the club making in the, pretty much in the same range, some guys making more than others, but nothing well over market value. Yep. Yeah, and, and other than possibly a couple of DPs, they – Mies really hasn't overpaid for anybody that you that you've seen. Have uh, Mike? Have I mean? Have you seen anybody that he's really overpaid for other than some DPs, Mike? I mean, I'm sure if you gave me enough time, I could probably come up with somebody <laughs> who who they've who they've uh, overpaid at least in recent history. But I mean, uh, other than a than a DP like uh, like a Jefferson. Um, oh, there's oh, Jefferson Trump. I couldn't get it. I couldn't get in there early enough. Okay, go ahead. Oh, well, <laughs> and, and then I guess if you want to, if you want to throw out a name that we may have overpaid a little bit for, uh, someone like uh, a Bobby Convey, or uh, if you want to look at just pure stats, uh, even Diwali back in 2014 was probably um, overpaid for what we did. But in in both of those situations, I don't think they were greatly overpaid to the point where um, where it was a de- detriment to the team. Yeah, and I would agree with that. I'm not saying that he – I won't say that nobody was ever paid – wasn't – I will not say that nobody was ever paid more than what their total value was, but as a comparison to their experience history and what they were expected to deliver, I don't think anybody was really grossly overpaid uh, unless that – contract came from somebody else and you know maybe part of it's being picked up by Orlando still um subtle hint um in a couple of the DPs obviously didn't turn out the way they possibly hoped Jefferson still he's I, I he's got such a bad rap he actually was he was a pretty talented player just got injured and never showed up again um and then they wanted to keep him, but they weren't willing to pay what whoever his home club was. Uh, I can't yeah, remember that's because he was here on loan. You know, they got good value out of Omar Bravo until he got hurt, and then, of course they got in the in this was a clash of personalities. Is, is Bravo thinking he should have played uh, late in the season in Vermees, thinking you know he wasn't at full peak and shouldn't have been playing. They got good value out of him in, in, in 2011 as a DP. Um, you, you think about a real bust, and I don't know what they were paying Carlos Marinelli back in the day. Um, he, he, Whatever he was getting was probably overpaid, whatever it was. Um, but it, in terms of guys they've gotten in, and the midseason acquisitions, of the summer transfer guys, they've, they've brought in them, Uri being one, um, and because the, they've gotten in the window, they, none of those have been like huge 
gigantic, you know, mid-season acquisitions that you know they're splashing on the cash. I and mean, you get a guy like, or you get a guy like a, a Nevin Markovich, or, or like goes guys like that, who aren't uh, maybe making a, a huge um, amount of noise in terms of, of oh, this guy is huge. But it, it seems like they've gotten pretty good value overall for for the guys that they've uh, that they brought in, whatever they were paying them. And if they haven't, you know, again, like Connery, those, those people won't stay around long. All right? Have we beat to death enough the uh, the roster moves over the last couple of days? Oh, I, I think as much as we're beating them to death, I think they're still going to be going on. The the, 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 the the Facebook and the Twitter discussions are going to be going on for the next couple, three days. So I, you know, whatever we say tonight, I don't think it's going to to exhaust uh, the amount of discussion on the, on the subject. No, I would agree with that. There's still going to be a lot of angst out there, and understandably so. Um, change the subject up a little bit, though. We did at least have a game. Not that we could see it, but there was at least a game for sporting fans to have heard results from. And I know it was just a game against FC Tucson, and they probably could have scored 17 more goals if Namath had been playing in it. But otherwise, did we get any impressions from the the first couple of uh, halves that they played against the PDL team? Mike, I mean, did you get, like, you know, any sense of the roster or who's doing well or – I mean, I don't think you you got much sense of. Re- I don't think you can take much, especially from the first preseason game, especially when it's only sixty minutes and each and nobody played more than thirty. I I don't think there's a lot you can take from it. I mean, I I think the uh, I think the first eleven that were out there were pretty much your your best eleven minus. Um, Minus a couple players like uh, Failhaber and uh, Mustavar and Beesler. Um, other than that, I I think that's pretty much what the lineup you, that you're going to see uh, in in Seattle for for opening day, barring a, another uh, a, another addition. But I mean, yeah, th- there's really not a lot you can take from it. it. More or less, the the team was what you'd expect, and it's what you expect because. They they had at the time they still had 30 players for a 28 man roster. I mean, there's not a lot of of mystery as to as to what's going on with this team. We discussed it last week. There, there's there aren't going to be a lot of there's not going to be a trialist one, a trialist two through through 12 uh, this season in camp. So it's just kind of some of those little individual battles. The the outside back positions, uh, for who's going to win those, and and basically who who's going to take uh, take Namath's spot. Other than that, th- there's not a lot of mystery, I think, uh, for the team this preseason. How about you, Steve? Did you get anything from it? Well, again, I'm flashing back last year when Namath just lit up FC Tucson, and we were talking, does this mean anything? And I think you were on the on the. No, this doesn't mean anything yet. And I was on the hey, four goals is still still four goals in terms of being able to finish. But from that standpoint, I think it's good to see Dwyer and Davis developing that chemistry already. Uh, each one scoring off the other one's assist. Um, yeah, it's 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 a PDL team, but to see uh, that kind of of, of 
chemistry uh, developing already between the, between those two guys. I think that's a, that's a decent sign, and I think that's that's encouraging as to how Davis is going to fit into this roster. Okay, fair enough. The here's the the one thing that I took from that was last week we talked about how deep the team was, and you know basically wanting to have two teams out there or being capable to put almost two full teams out there with you know, multiple competitions, the Open Cup and Champions League and such forth. Um, and you, when you looked at the rosters that they put out there, it was, dang, you could have taken either one of those and started last season um, and been pretty fairly happy with it, with the exception of Peterson at center forward after Namath was not there. Um, other than that, you could have been fairly happy with any one of either one of those lineups. Well, I think, you know, and, Connor Hallison getting two. I think he he is really feeling the pressure to stay up with the senior squad. And again, it's it's a PDL side, but to have him step up and and, and score twice, he shows how seriously he's taken this this uh, this camp and trying to to hang on to that roster spot on the wing. So I, I liked uh, seeing that line as well. Absolutely. All right. Um, well, since we've probably talked about everything we've planned to. Is there anything else out there that we should probably discuss while we have the three of us on the call? Steve, uh, Steve you got anything? Uh, no, I, I think the whole the stuff with Nimit and, and EPB has really kind of dominated uh, the discussion the uh, the last couple of days. The only thing that I'll say is I, I'm still really looking forward to seeing how the uh, the fullback uh, battle shapes out with so many candidates to see how many of them are still around on uh, on, on opening day. That, to me, that that's where a lot of the attention is, is maybe going to be focused on, on this uh, this preseason. Who's going to really step up and grab those uh, those fullback spots and go into the season as the first choice? It's going to be fun to watch and see how that plays out. Cool. Any, any no, last words there, Mike? No, I, I mean, I, I agree with uh, with what Steve was saying about about the fullbacks. I mean, I, I mentioned it briefly, but I, I think we we'd all kind of thought that fullback w- was a position uh, before this week, and maybe even still, fullback was a position where Kansas City could afford to uh, to maybe make a move to uh, to free up a roster spot in that regard simply because of the depth that we had in that position. So it, it it's a really interesting situation in regards to who starts, who stays, who potentially goes in in that situation. There there's a lot of a, a lot of moving parts and, and too many players to fill them at this point um in the fullback positions. But again as we talked to death there's been so much there's the the movement that's occurred to create uh the space that actually allows us to be technically roster compliant at least for for a few days um in that regard but i mean other than that I, I, yeah other than that i mean it's like steve said the everything's dominated right now by Namus and uh Palmer Brown the other thing you know, yeah, we're talking about the fullbacks and the and the forward position though is now if you have another wing spot is that, is that a way for Marcel de Young to because he's played in the wing 
uh, for scoring last year with, with, with you know, Peter is, is high on his, uh, on his ability to get forward when he's healthy and, and his, his uh, ability to, to go from distance is now Namath leaving an opening for DeYoung to make a case on the wing. Um, and to, to, to kind of th- throw a little uh, little monkey wrench in, in the in the the works there in terms of making it difficult to get rid of him, or to, to not to get rid of him, but to 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 move him someplace else if he is has that versatility to play any of those left side spots. I, I yeah, think very possibly. Little bit, but, sorry, sorry, Thad. I, I think it does a little bit, but I mean that also you you, you also have two guys that you really brought in this off season. Um, now, in, in hindsight, probably to fight for the, that starting job to take over for Namath in, in Davis and Mapp. So, the, the question, the, the question is, is there then too much uh, at the left at that left uh, wing position uh, on the roster with, with that regard? So, I mean, the, it, it's a good pro- again. We it's a good problem to have with all this this depth, but. Eventually, you're going to run into egos. You're going to run into uh, you're going to run into needs in other positions, and you're going to have to look for look to move somebody. And I, I'm not saying De Jong's the one that needs to go, but his his versatility is a major plus, and he's playing a position. His two main primary positions are positions where we're quite deep at at the moment. Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I think it's going to be an intensely competitive camp uh, at, at several spots, um, and I, that that will. Uh, I think that the the harder guys have to fight for that roster spot in in the spring, the, the better the the odds of sporting really hitting the ground running uh, when March rolls around and they're and they're playing in earnest. Yeah, all, all that competition just bodes well for um, for sporting, to be honest. Um, I, I just wish, and who knows, maybe uh, maybe the 19-year-old Hungarian comes in and pushes Dom also. I'm kind of hopeful with that at this point. Um, any, let's. I guess we could wrap it up. Anything else, guys? No, I, I think I've uh, rambled on enough with my over-caffeinated self. <laughs> Mike, Same here. No, I've, right, I've uh, talked plenty. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, no, we and the the great thing is we could probably talk for two hours and we just end up saying a lot of the same things. Um, it, it, I'm hopeful that there will be some positive news because in in light of everything with Namath and EPB is that center mid that Rob has said that they put in a loan offer for, but turned into an acquisition that we've not heard a thing about since then. Um, so that may be another uh, push on the roster size, but hey, what position does that guy fill? Um, if it actually happens. So everybody's kind of forgotten about that guy. We'll have to see what happens. Right. It's, uh, it's a um, very real possibility to set up that way. Sorry, Steve, we we lost you there. Couldn't hear a thing. I, I said, you know, when you keep bringing in mids, you wind up with a four-five-one to start the year. I mean, you could you could you could make a case for for something like that. 
um, with the way you, you use the guys in the wings, uh, maybe as extra mids. Um, so it, it's uh, it, it's if they bring in another attacking mid, it's gonna it's gonna be even more crowded. But that's that I think that's a topic for when when and if that actually happens. Yeah, and when we have some clue of what that person is. So, um, yeah. All right. Well, look, guys, I appreciate you both being able to join again, and I'm sure we will have a reason to get back together again in the next few days. Um, coming up in the, in the next few days, uh, there's no scrimmage against Tucson on Wednesday like had been originally on the schedule. They canceled it, but they are still playing the South Korean team this weekend. And then they head back to Kansas City for a little bit, and then – the Rangers, the rest of the Rangers, because there's a couple of them already in camp, will uh, join them down there for the whole tournament. I forget what they call it. Yeah, Desert Diamond Cup, is that it? Desert Diamond Cup, yep. So, yep, more, so more to come. All right. Um, appreciate it, guys, and thanks. Um, uh, thanks again to Mike Kuhn from DownTheByline.com and Steve Brizendine from MLS Soccer. Good night, guys. Good night.